0: Welcome to Girls Who Read Porn. Please be advised that this podcast contains mature content for mature audiences. The title might have given that away though. We would also advise you triple check the trigger warnings of each book prior to the episode and if it's not for you we'll see you next week. Each episode includes major spoilers so make sure you read the book and don't say we didn't warn you. With all that in mind, on with the show.
1: Hi everybody and welcome back to another episode of Girls Who Read Porn. It's me G and I am back with the
2: usual Ola. Hey how you doing G? Ola Ola. Ola Ola. Ola Ola. (laughs) And
1: Betty. How are you Betty? Hello. I'm good thank you. Good and we are so lucky today to be joined by the lovely BB Easton. How are you Bibi?
3: I'm wonderful thank you so much for having me
1: thanks for coming coming on yeah Yeah. this is exciting
2: very I actually wanted to bring something up before we start interviewing you because I have a question to ask everyone baby please feel free to answer it as well we normally don't go into personal stuff when we have an author on except the frittata and Anna Huang saga but like (laughs) it's another one um Josh called me at 1am and is like I don't have my keys you have my keys so I can't get in and I'm like I have never seen your keys before in my life like don't even (laughs) come at me with this shit you know when like guys are like where's my hat you have my hat I'm like what hat you don't even own a hat like don't come at me with this (laughs) I got so angry at what I am and I just wanted like some companionship in the fact that whenever somebody does that do you just completely deny are you just like, I don't oh, yeah, even know what absolutely. you're talking about. It doesn't exist. Like what? You'd never even bought the hat.
1: I always like, I always do the thing where Daniel will be like, have you seen this? And I'll be like, it's on like the second drawer at the left all the way back. I'll just instantly know where it is, even though I wouldn't have touched it, but I would have seen it somewhere and he just would have completely forgotten. Drives
3: me absolutely My- batshit crazy. <laughs> My husband has a photographic memory. Like, he could walk in a room, you could move something one inch to the right, and he would immediately see it and call you on it and be like, why did you move that And it? So I have the opposite problem where he knows where everything is. He knows where I have misplaced everything. He knows where it was five seconds ago before he walked in the room. And I'm in my own head. I'm an author, so I'm constantly, like, living in my story in my inner world. And I'm just bumbling through the world, like bouncing off of things like a pinball. Um, and so I do stuff all the time that I have no memory of. And he asks me constantly, like, did you come in here and use my nail clippers and just leave your fingernails all over the counter? And I'm like, no, what kind of a human would do that? And he's like, oh, OK, so you're saying one of the kids did it? And I'm like, well, obviously. And he'll like call the kids in, and they're like, no, of course I didn't do that. And, I, and then I like it slowly comes back to me like, oh, like the memory, like the latent memory, begins to percolate. Like, oh shit, I did do that, but I was not here. I, my physical body did that. My, my conscious body,
1: I love was that not, it gets the kids not the even part of, it. part
3: of that process. Yeah,
2: yeah fair. Fair. I love that. What are you trying to do here? Like, are you trying to start a war, Rico Suave? Calm down.
1: You can be right. It's fine. Oh, like fuck. So, <laughs> Kids are so good just to blame things on as well. Oh, though. fuck, yeah. Love blaming things on kids. Oh, my God. All the time. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Kids and pets. Yes, yeah. kids and yeah. pets. Yep.
2: Mm-hmm. pets. are so easy to blame it's things the on.
1: Yeah. Alrighty. Um, but yeah, we'll get into our usual yeah, sorry. questions.
2: Yeah, no, Most no, you're right. I just like, got tripped up for a minute. About <laughs> yeah. the freaking case yeah, situation. I'm like, why would I have your kids? <laughs> like, like I I cannot move forward until I know I have processed it the (laughs) thing is like hear me out on this because of the surgery I had recently I can't even open our front fucking door it's a fire door and it's more than five kilos so I'm stuck here unless one of the kings of France straight opens the door for me (laughs) I am on lockdown (laughs) and not by choice so why would I have your keys to go where with what door yeah where are are you going? going Where am Where I going? going? I can't even open the door. <laughs> like, no. what am I doing? <laughs> Sorry, please continue.
1: No, you're right. So, Phoebe, when was it that you started getting into writing romance or just writing in general?
3: I was never – I never intended to be an author. I had always kind of just written poems and things for fun, never even really stories. Um, but after I had my second child, I I it was at a time when like reading on a device finally came out. That's how old I am. Like with my first kid, I didn't have a smartphone. With my second kid I had a smartphone and so I could read on my phone while I was nursing at night because I needed it dark. But I was like, Oh my god, this way I don't fall asleep and drop the baby.
0: So I would read
3: I would read on my phone in the dark to keep myself awake and it was right after I had read my first romance novel 50 shades of gray which I devoured yes. and
2: everyone it
3: just everyone but yeah it that book like opened my eyes to oh my god I like reading and I want to do this all the time what else can I get my hands on and I stumbled upon it was like 2013 right at the height of that like indie new adult magical time so I was reading like Colleen Hoover I was reading um, Abby Glines and Jake Crownover and all these great like bad boy romance novels and I realized after you know devouring like 20 of these that I was like I, I know these guys I dated these guys these are my guys <laughs> I dated the tattoo artist I dated the motorcycle club guy I dated the marine I dated all of them um, and I'm married now to an accountant, so I, I learned my lesson all those bad boys.
0: But I missed
3: all the fun that I had with those bad boys. So I was like, I could write these stories and not even make anything up. I know these characters so well, and so I started journaling true stories about my exes. And it was completely—it was a journal. It was for me only. Um, but it was the most fun I had had in as long as I could remember because it was like. I had such a boring, stressful adult existence happening at that time in my life. I was a school psychologist. I had a baby. I had a preschooler. I had a husband. I had a mortgage. Like, stress, stress, responsibility, responsibility. And so just reliving a time when I had a shaved head and I was getting tattoos and piercings and I was dating all these people that were terrible for me and all the drama. It was just the most fun. I was... I was already sleep deprived because I had a baby and I was using the time I was supposed to be sleeping to write these stories because it just felt so good. And I could not stop. And it kind of like reminded me who I am because I was being a version of myself that didn't feel super authentic. Just I had to be so professional all day long at work and, um, you know, couldn't have fun pink hair or anything like that. Just had to be super. And that's not my personality. So, um, it just it was absolutely it was like this part of me just woke up and was like
2: I'm still here remember
3: this so uh yeah I haven't stopped since that was
1: 10
2: years ago yeah Yeah. I feel like there's so many more opportunities in the states to date like bad guys like in Australia your opportunity (laughs) is just to date like Bogans and that's it like there's no like MC club dating and then marines and then like tattoo artists like I'm sure you can get one but you don't have, like, the full Monty here, whereas I feel like it's I mean, more just accessible in America to make those mistakes.
1: Yeah, over here like you just have, like, guys, guys with cardboard Yeah, guys yeah with like, mullets. they're
2: just fucking weird here. <laughs> and, like, the not. mullet situation <laughs> in Australia is out of control now. And that's all it is, oh, It's yeah. just a bunch of guys with mullets. Oh, no.
3: Yeah, we have all the flavors. We, we have all date. the flavors of, of bad like boys. I'm hard. so sorry. I had no idea yeah. you
1: guys It
2: sounds like fun. Yeah
1: so with 44 chapters about four men the way that it's laid out is that you've got your like your real journal which I guess is the one that you were actually writing at the time and then also like a fake journal that you don't want your husband to see because you want him to or that you do want him to see to reinvigorate your life together was that actually something that you did or
3: is that just like that is of the book? 100% something that I did that whole I did not
2: shut the front door <laughs> Oh, my God! <laughs> it's true! I did
3: not even know I was writing a book until it was over halfway done. I was just doing this for my own entertainment like, and because I was a psychologist, my friends are psychologists, so we were just in- entertaining ourselves like I would tell them whatever had happened um so for anybody listening who hasn't isn't familiar with forty four chapters about four men, um the journals that I was writing while my kids were really little about my exes um that were supposed to just be for me and me alone. In my sleep deprived state, I left my laptop out on the coffee table in the living room. And. Um, oh my God, the Satan
2: sex life is just coming back to me <laughs> Yeah, they use really that awkward. in the show. <laughs> um, oh my God.
3: So, yeah, it was on Sex Life. The trauma. The trauma. So I went upstairs. I was upstairs with the kids, and I come downstairs, and it's really quiet in the living room, and I hear the unmistakable sound of a laptop slamming shut as I come around the corner. And my husband is sitting on the couch looking very guilty, and my laptop is on the coffee table shut. And I, like, when I tell you the blood, like, drains out of my body, and, like, my ghost left... (laughs) and like went to somewhere safe i was so horrified i was like i'm getting divorced i'm getting that just happened i'm getting divorced um we didn't talk about it and then the things things were very awkward and the next day he comes home from work and he says uh go get dressed we're going out my mom's coming to babysit we're going on a date and i'm like so you can serve me divorce papers right (laughs) like (laughs) because They take me like right. away yeah, from to, the kids. So they have to take to me out of the house, do it somewhere so I don't make a scene. I know how I know how it goes. So I'm like, all right, all right, this is happening. Because um, these were spicy, spicy journals about my exes. So we go on a date and it's lovely, and we come home and things are spicier that night than usual. And a few things might have happened that I may or may not have well written done,
2: about, Mr. Aston.
3: So yeah, yeah. I was like, so. So in psychology, especially when you work with children or animals, like everything can be boiled down to positive and negative reinforcement. Every behavior, everything you do, you're either doing it because you want to get something positive or you want to avoid something negative. That was a lot of positive reinforcement that he gave me. (laughs) The message I got was, you can keep doing this. This works. This is good. This is working for you. So yeah, A good idea. So I
2: told my Mr. Easton, Jesus.
3: I know. So I told my best friend at the time, um, who is Sasha Snow on the show and Sarah Snow in the book. And she's pure evil. She is the devil on my shoulder. And she was like, listen, you need to milk this for all it's worth. You need to start. You need objectives. We are going to progress monitor this. We are going to have some gold. Like, like it was research, like it was clinical research, you know? What are our objectives? How are we going to measure those? What do we want this man to do? (laughs) It was like, so I I had four objectives. And so this is all in the book too. Our objectives that we came up with, like I want things to be spicier in the bedroom. I want a pet name. I would like some compliments every once in a while. And I would like for him to get a tattoo of my name and or likeness somewhere on his body. That's all I'm asking. (laughs) And so she was like, all right, so now we you're going to write some journal articles, some journal entries about your exes doing these things. And we're going to we're going to wait and see how this works out. So, I did I started writing these like harlequin romance over the top just like steamy entries that were completely fabricated about my exes that made them sound like golden gods. But then because it was funnier to write the true story cuz all these guys were losers I had to go write like for my own personal journal, I would write that I kept in a very different file now so that my husband would not read it. So I had the one that I knew he was reading and then I made this separate one that was called like baby shower diaper cake instructions or something. (laughs) And that's where I put like the real (laughs) stories of these guys and the the terribly tragically hilarious uh, fiascos that I had with them. Um, But yeah, so that went on for a
2: year where I
3: was writing the journals (laughs) and watching
2: I have so many questions. (laughs) Oh my God. What
3: happened when he found out? He didn't. So we, like I said, we, we never talked about it. This was just something that I did. And then I watched his behavior and our relationship improved so much over that year. And I, I, (laughs) once I was like, I can piece this together and actually turn it into a book. I still wasn't going to tell anybody. I was just going to publish it and just under pen name. And um, But I I ended up telling him because it was like taking a lot more of my time. And I had to be like, all right, listen, I'm doing this thing. Um, you're going to be totally fine. I've changed your name. I've changed everybody's characteristics and things. Um, he was not excited, as you can imagine. But um, that was about it. He didn't say he never read.
2: He wasn't like, "Why did you make all this shit up?" No, off? he
3: was just kind of like, he he was just worried that people were gonna read it and and associate it with him, like at work or something. But um, when yeah, when <laughs> yeah. that didn't happen because I changed everybody's names and I was really careful and I don't post pictures of him, he relaxed and was like, "Okay, this is alright." And then um, a couple months after the book came out, I took him to a book signing, and. He he would not come near the table. He didn't want anybody to recognize him, but he had to come like help me with something. And a, a reader saw him at my table and was like, like starstruck that it was Ken Easton. Oh. And she asked for his autograph and like wanted to hug him and stuff. He has come to every book signing ever since. <laughs>
2: because oh my he
3: comes at the yeah. table. That would go. be it nice. would
1: be like. Hit- version of positive that, exactly me.
3: exactly <laughs> well and he actually said well I guess you couldn't have written anything too bad about me if everybody's this excited to
2: see me and I was like see yeah has he no, read- so has he not read the book he read- so does he know that what you wrote was fabricated he yes
3: he knows the whole premise and he like it's still very nebulous if you ask him about it he's like that never happened I didn't read her journal she just made all that stuff up but I know <laughs> I know it <what> <laughs>
2: So I have funny. so <laughs> many more questions. What did he think about? I'm so sorry. What did he think about the sex? What did he think about sex life?
3: He was really excited about sex life. He thought that was the coolest thing ever that it inspired a show.
2: It's pretty yeah. fucking cool. He,
3: uh, he yeah. really got on board fast. Like I said, he, he was very apprehensive at first, just for understandable reasons. He works in corporate America. He didn't want everybody in his office, like reading about his sex life. But once he realized that, it was going to be okay and that he was anonymous um he has been the biggest my biggest cheerleader like he he doesn't let me do anything without him he wants to be involved in all of it he wants to come on all the trips he wants to go to all the book signings he's come to LA to meet the writers of the show and he just thinks it's the greatest so that that has it
2: must be so that's made it a oh, lot sorry. more fun for just... me
3: cuz i've got my yeah, buddy is it, on board it, yeah
2: it must it oh. must be so strange for him to have like a character so after him, like that. Not being involved in the writing or anything, but then all of a sudden you're a character on Netflix.
3: It's been really cool to watch his reaction to that because I didn't know how he was gonna react to because they yeah. changed so much that his character is not him anymore. I mean, some of the things on the show are very him, but um they made it so dramatic, obviously. It's you know, for TV that um i was like oh i hope he's not like hurt that they you know had his character doing all this crazy stuff but he yeah because the character was a little bit crap yeah they <laughs> yeah. i mean the it's tv drama they have to be
0: but <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, he yeah. never
3: told me this but after they did casting um they emailed me and told me or called me and told me who had been cast to play his character and my character and um When I told him Mike Vogel, I didn't know who Mike Vogel was at the time. I don't watch TV. I had to give up TV when I started writing because I don't have time to do both. He watches tons of TV. He, um, and movies, like, he's a total movie TV buff. So I was like, yeah, and this guy Mike Vogel is going to play you. Uh, And he kind of looks like you. His, His face, I have never seen him this excited in my life. He doesn't do excited. But he was like a little boy on Christmas morning who just like found a puppy under the tree. Like his little face was so excited. Aww. He was like,
1: Mike Vogel? I wanted it to be
3: Mike Vogel. That was his turns out that was Oh <laughs> my God, that's so sweet. His number that's his so number lovely. one choice and he never told me he never told anybody oh and they somehow he magically manifested mike vogel so they could do no wrong after that mike vogel could have killed somebody and drank their blood on tv and he would have been
0: like god he looks good in that suit <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: my god that's i so just want to shout out
0: the emotional maturity to read articles about you like doing yes. with your exes and to not get angry to like step I know, up I know I yeah. know
3: I've I've had so many women come up to me and say like my husband would have left me I've I've met actual romance authors whose husbands whose marriages did fall apart when they shifted into writing romance because they couldn't handle the content and just the yeah um I don't know they a, a lot of them
1: and with, do you feel like some of them would think it's more of like almost like a comparison like if a romance author is like doing a fic, yes. like a fictitious scene that their husband or like they've never done before or something
3: absolutely yeah, yeah. well, like a well yeah you're having to write this because uh, I don't do it for you or you know whatever you like this better than you like me or um just the attention like it takes attention away from them I don't know um but I've yeah I was so lucky he's just he's a different breed of man he is I have never met anybody yeah. like him.
2: But to be fair, like I had to have a really long conversation with Josh before we started the podcast and he was like, this is what I'm comfortable with. This is what I'm not comfortable with. And I just threw it all out the window <laughs> and went fucking ham on everything. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like... He's listened to it and then he actually told some girls from work about it and they're like, oh, my God, this is amazing, the fact that you're letting her do this. And he's like, I'm not letting her do anything. She's doing whatever the fuck she wants (laughs) to do. So it's, like, amazing to have somebody behind you who won't judge you and will also, like, protect you in that and will, like, lift you up at the same time instead of bring you down for doing something that you really enjoy doing. And I've embarrassed him solidly on this. Like people from his work have listened to this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, I feel
1: like we do. We do get Josh stories more than
2: anyone else. <laughs> yeah, because we're, <laughs> we're crazy. Like we do dumb shit all the time. So well, and yeah. it's funny. It's almost yeah. like
3: karma. Like he's the he's the one who had the the biggest uh, fear and insecurity about it, and now he's the one who is the topic of conversation the most.
2: yeah no that's crazy you've got such an incredible supportive I husband do. well like, and it but so awesome. it didn't
3: start like that so it's it's even nicer to have it now because like I said at the beginning he was not super supportive he did not uh he did not want me to publish it he and then after I published it and it did well I decided I wanted to quit my job that went over really well too I was making over 50% of our income and I had gone to graduate. I had gone to college for seven years to do this job. He had supported me through grad school. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, yeah, so I'm going to not do that anymore (laughs) and do this other thing that doesn't pay me any money because I like it better. And I want to stay home with our kids. Uh, Yeah. That didn't go over too well either, but I just, I begged him for two years. I sold my car. Like we cut all of our expenses make it work. I really sacrificed a ton for it. And I was like, just give me two years until both of our kids are in school. I will do this nights. I will do this while the little ones in preschool and then I'll go back to work. So it was, it was, you know, a a mom decision also, but, um, haven't had to go back yet. So I'm
1: (laughs) sure you stopped regretting (laughs) it. Yeah, yeah. I want to know as well, um, how did it feel when you got approached by people looking to develop it into a TV show? Like, what was that like? It was
3: so bizarre. I did not. Everybody's like, what did it feel like? It felt like nothing because I psychologically could not allow myself to get excited or believe that it was going to happen. Like, it just sounded so far-fetched and so unrealistic. And I'd read and heard from people that like 90% of the things that get optioned don't ever get made, and I'm a huge believer in like mm-hmm. low expectations are the key to happiness. I never get my hopes up. I never have high expectations. Every time I release a book, I'm like, three people are gonna read this, and it's okay. So it's gonna be okay. I'm gonna. <laughs> it's gonna be all right. That it's gonna totally fail, um, and that's that really is the key to happiness for me at least. So every time I would have a call about it or an email about it m- on the inside, my brain was like, okay, all right, sure, buddy. Sure. <laughs> We're gonna make okay. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. going to get it.
1: Okay. Yeah. Way. You will yeah. Get a on the outside that's I'm like,
3: Oh my God, that's amazing. But yeah, on the inside I'm like, all right. Yeah. Um, so I did not internalize and believe that it was going to happen until even after like, They started filming even after casting, I was like, it could still fall through. And then they started filming. And I finally was like, Oh my God, this is they're actually filming. Like this is happening. And then two weeks later the pandemic hit and they all went home for five months. (laughs) And I was like, I (laughs) (laughs) knew it wasn't gonna happen. I knew it. And then um, it was supposed to be two weeks. And then two weeks turned into two months. And then two months turned into five months. And I was like, they're gonna, they're just going to cancel it. Like, they're just going to move on at this point. Um, but it was actually the first show that Netflix resumed filming. They were really excited about it. And after or during the pandemic. That's yeah, a good sign. Were, so, so it was terrifying for them because literally no one had ever filmed a show during a pandemic before. They were the first ones so it was like world war three like hazmat suits everybody is like looks like they're going to the moon with the amount of ppe that they had that they had on they're communicating through walkie-talkies so no one could get like 10 feet within the actors um i wasn't able to go visit the set so that also kind of made it feel like is this even really happening Mm. um and then it didn't come out for a while like it was all just years and years of me being in denial (laughs) <laughs> and then when it finally came out, I was, I, and I was allowed to be excited about it. It still felt scary. Like, I don't know if I should get my house up. And it's like, it's, it's literally on TV. It's okay. Now, like you can, <laughs> it happened. You can get excited. Yeah. But no, yeah. yeah. It's memorialized free yeah. yeah. That entire, I mean, it was like five years that I just lived in denial and, and it, it was great. So there's It kept I- me from having a nervous breakdown. I'm sure.
2: So there's only going to (laughs) be two seasons from what I understand. Is that correct? They weren't renewed for a third. That's right. And they. Sorry, that sucks. It did so well. I know. But I feel like there's a lot of drama behind it because some of the actors are like, we'll never work with Netflix again. So.
3: I'm so. It was
2: not a really pleasant third season (laughs) beginning. No. Well,
3: they knew going into the second season that this was probably going to be it. And I'm so thankful that they knew like the most we thought we would get was three seasons. Because of, like, when we first started, because of the books, there was a husband and there were three ex-boyfriends. And so they were like, well, the husband's going to be in all of them, and then maybe we'll have an ex-boyfriend for each of the three seasons. Um, And it's hard to get something renewed at Netflix. So we were like, if we just get two, that would be amazing. And we got two. So they had the foresight, which I am so thankful for, to go ahead and and tie up all the storylines at the end of season two. And I'm so thankful. Yeah, I don't good. know how many shows I have watched and I have invested hours and hours of my life time that I don't have into shows. And then I get to the end and there's no resolution. And I find out it got canceled after five seasons and I'm like, you just took a month of my life <laughs> that I will never get back and I'm pissed <laughs> yeah. off and I'll never get closure. So the fact that we got to see, I don't want to spoil it for anything, but the final moment of that season, um, where everything comes full circle, it was just so heartwarming to me. And I was so happy that as, as a fan that I got that experience. So I, um, I look at it as a, as a win. I think it's pretty, pretty cool that we got it's yeah, a big that we got win. full circle. It's
2: a huge win. Yeah. I feel, I think it's like the third most watched Netflix show or something like that. Like one of the highest, it is one of the highest at the time. It was the highest when season one came out. When
3: Yeah. When season it's one incredible. came out, it was the third most watched Netflix original series of all time. So it's been surpassed yeah, by like Squid Game. <laughs> And Bridgerton you. at this point
2: but um it's Bridgeton, still it's yeah. still it's way up there Bridgeton. yeah
3: it's amazing
2: <laughs> how dare so, Julia Quinn <laughs> how dare she <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and Incredible. I feel like it got a lot of notoriety as well for being was it Netflix, Netflix's first one that had full frontal male nudity or I something? would
3: love to have that distinction I, I don't know if it was the first one but if it was I, yeah. I feel pretty proud about that I think so I
1: remember being like this is like a really popular show but you yeah. can't see it. just a bonus <laughs> <laughs> uh so how did you go from writing I guess like because it's a technically a memoir is and then 44 chapters about four men so how did you move from writing about your own experiences into writing I guess something like Devil of Dublin which was all yeah god us. it
3: was so hard I had so I wrote 44 chapters and I had such a great time writing that that I gave each of the four men in that book their own backstory book So I feel like that was kind of a segue because those were much more fictionalized because I really made them read like a romance novel. Um, So I, some of them were like 50% true. Some of them were as much as like 80 or 90% true. But because I had to learn about the novel writing process for those books, I had to learn how to structure a novel. 44 chapters is a free for all. It's a bunch of like text messages and memoir, I mean, you know, journal entries and emails and stuff that, that I pieced together to tell a story. With the spinoff books, I actually learned how to write a novel. And, but I was using all this content that I'd actually experienced. So that made it easier. When I got to Praying for Rain, which was my first totally fictional book, I remember for three days, I sat there and stared at that blinking cursor on that white page and was like, how do I do this? This is so hard. I've never been to any of these places. I don't know any of these characters. I've never written anything that's completely fictitious. It's hard as hell. It it doesn't get easier either. But um, yeah, it's interesting now that I'm done with um the 44 chapter series. My books have gotten a lot darker. And um, holy shit! Yeah. You
1: say I was oh, telling George.
2: Yeah. I was like, yeah, we Mother were of God. It earlier. <laughs>
1: and because I was like, I have to say, I was talking. I was like. What was I saying, like, a couple days ago where I was like, I love, like, God, man, you guys need to read the 44 chapters about four men. Like, it's so funny. It's so good. And Ola was like, what the fuck are you reading? Are we reading? And she was like, am I reading the right book?
2: Like, this is dark. Yeah. Yeah, and I was saying to G just before you jumped on that I think the way that it is written is one of the darkest books I've ever read. And, like, there's Den of Vipers and all of that shit out there, which is dark. This is different dark. This is, like real hardcore that is so interesting that you say
3: that because i i never read my reviews for some reason i accidentally stumbled upon some of my reviews on amazon the other day and some of the lower reviews for devil of dublin were that it, it shouldn't have been a dark romance it wasn't dark enough and then i have other people who are like i'm traumatized his book was so dark so it's crazy how different because people are like well he didn't like he didn't like essay her. He didn't choke her out. He, you know, like,
2: like I feel like going back to what G was saying before, when she asked, how do you go in from like talking about real life stuff into fictitious things? I feel like you're still talking about real life stuff because I'm going to bring up your author's note at the end of devil of Dublin, which is one of the themes is that um, the Catholic church was taking children away from their mothers at a certain time. And that happened to someone in your family.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even realize it, but you're absolutely right. I am. I'm continuing. I still end up injecting, um, real life things into my stories, but yeah, that was, and that happened in America, Mm -hmm. but my, my mom's family is Irish American and they grew up in a very tight knit, like Irish community and went to Irish Catholic school. And, um, they very much practiced the same things that they were practicing at the time over in Ireland. And one of those things was, um, unwed mothers or teen mothers were sent to like convents and they would take your baby and put it up for adoption and you would never see your baby again. It was a completely closed adoption. Um, and it just traumatized so many women. I mean, my aunt was like 16 at the time and, um, There was, there was no choice. There was no discussion. She was sent and they, they were abusive at these places. They would force you into servitude. They would, um, beat you. Like it was just awful. And then take your baby. And a lot of the babies didn't, did not live. A lot of the moms didn't live. They found mass graves. Oh my God. When you were mentioning that
2: in the actual book, not in the author's note, I was like, holy shit, this has to be true. Like, there's no way that this isn't true because it was just, it was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot. Yeah. So
3: when I was thinking about Kellen, the, the hero's character, um, I had an Irish beta reader who was helping make sure that I like got everything right. And um, I was talking about his mom's backstory. And she said, well, you know what would have happened to a woman like that at the time is she, she would have been sent to a mother baby home. And I was like, oh, yes, because my aunt went to one of those. And so it all clicked. Like that whole backstory came together. And I was so happy I was able to shed a light on that because like nobody, kn- I wouldn't have known about it if it hadn't happened in my family. But um, it's just amazing how I love, I love Ireland and I love the Irish people. And just to see how far they've come, the last mother and baby home was closed in like 1998 or something. Fucking so hell. You write hell in- on
2: the Catholic church in that book though, I have to say. And I appreciated <laughs> it because there was some other topics in there and that fucking twist at yeah. the end. Yeah. Babes, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. I mean it happened. That happens. happens but I will say it's like yeah. getting slapped in the face. And it hurts more. It hurt so much at the end. <laughs> because I was because like, you know it's true. I yeah. know, but it's also like, how can you do that to your I can't say it because I'll ruin it, but how can you do it? <laughs> I know I don't want to spoil anything, but how can you do that in that situation? With that person who's linked to you in that way, like I just, I don't, I don't know how to say it without ruining it, so I'm not going to say another word. I but I was like sitting there going, <laughs> "Fuck you, baby." Like you, fu- I cried so hard at the end of that oh. book; it was amazing. I loved
0: it. Mm. Beautiful. Everybody should oh, read oh, thank
1: it. You. I just know, read it. You know, after it, this t- episode, you'll have to because Ola's just been teasing you for like. Two
2: oh minutes. my god, it is so good. I don't know how else to say it. Like thank the you. fucking twist and i've been like reading a lot of shit recently and i'm like yeah you know it's okay whatever like it's getting me through but then i read this and i was like wow i needed this <laughs> like it gets you out of the slums so i read it.
3: Mm, that is high high price i know exactly what that's like and i know how amazing it is when you find that book that you like want to read and you can't stop yeah. reading after like slogging through or dnfing a bunch of stuff so i am completely honored and humbled to, to have been your book that got you out of thanks so, for, that means the world
1: to me. So thank you. thanks for
2: writing it and it's putting like- me through like an emotional roller roller coaster of what the ever-loving <laughs> yeah. fuck did I just go through well
3: it's so funny because like like you said oh my god I cried and I was like oh oh good thank you it took me so long as an author to understand that that was a compliment mm. my first <laughs> book I wrote that made people cry and all the comments I was getting was, oh my God, I cried so hard. I would be like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And they're like, no, I wasn't. I was like, I don't understand. You just told me it made you miserable and you cried. And, but you're welcome. Like that is something I'm trying to avoid in my regular life. Oh, it's amazing Um, though. That's what you want.
1: When you read a book, you want the catharsis, you want emotion. Cause it's like, you, you, you read a book to experience like, life Mm -hmm. but you're safe (laughs) like you can experience really difficult things but you yourself stay safe (laughs) so that's what you need
3: and that's that's why I write I write because my life is so safe right now it's so delightfully boring and safe and I don't have any stress I don't have any drama and like This is how I get my drama stress fix is I can fabricate it and write about it from the safety of my home that I have a mortgage on that (laughs) I have heat and running water and like everything's fine. Yeah.
2: (laughs) You must need a Um, lot of stress. Because like that's (laughs) fucked up. Oh, I'm sorry. That's that's something else. When we first started the podcast, the girls will tell you I fucking hated crying through books. But if it's worth it, now I'm like, okay, I can deal. It's so worth yeah, it. Yeah, I can. Deal. Those are the ones if that it's you remember. Worth it, yeah, I would yeah. re this book. Yeah.
3: I, I have. Thank you. I have gotten there too. I know what you mean. Yeah. I am like Brittany Cherry's books. I cry from cover to cover. i like she could just be oh. talking about them going to the store, and I am like, somehow she, <laughs> I'm bawling through that. Like, and it's because they're like so sweet and like just poignant and like, oh. And the characters need this thing that this other person's giving them and da, 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 da. Um, but yeah I just I bought through her books and I love it and I would read them again and again and I know exactly what which
1: nice. so can we get like a little bit of a hint so we've talked about I guess what you've already done have you got any hints for what you're working on currently or what we might be expecting next
3: I do I am working on a sequel to Devil of Dublin at the moment
2: stop Should I can i <laughs> am Any chance finished it and i can read it today
3: <laughs> oh my god no this thing is taking this is the hardest book i've ever written because i was like i'm gonna write it. normally who is it I, about though the idea i can't oh. tell you that's a big <laughs> it's a big reveal
2: i can't i feel like i feel like that's real slack and i don't appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Lord. No, oh you god. don't understand <laughs> it's so hardcore and like oh my god also fuck john oh my god sorry oh, like, i can't move on, I can't yeah. move on from let me be speak please i'm so sorry
3: <laughs> um Uh, yes. So you will get more. You will get more. It's taking forever, though, because I did not have a fully formed idea. Like normally the idea comes to me and I can't get rid of it and I have to end up writing it. This time I was like, I'm going to make a sequel to Devil of Dublin. I love these characters. I love this world. But I didn't have the idea yet, so I've just been, like, with Praying for Rain, I've been staring at, like, the blinking cursor on the white page, waiting for the rest of the story to catch up to me. Like, I'm ready for the story, but the story has not become a marinated, fully formed thing yet. So, it's slow going, but I am super excited about it, and it is it is going to be... Uh,
2: I can't... I'm not, mm, 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 <laughs> not going to say anything. Well,
1: I mean, you know, for um, sure you're at least going to get a few sales from this group, so... <laughs>
2: Yes, thank you. I feel like I can't work out who the sequel would be about because like you finished it off so well. So I'm really excited for like the surprise. It's gonna be really good. Nice.
1: Yeah. It is a big surprise. Anticipation will make it
2: better. Oh, I'm really excited. (laughs) Good.
1: We'll finish up with the question that we ask all of our authors that come on and join us. What advice would you give to aspiring authors?
3: I love this question and I cannot say this enough. And I feel like as much as I say it, no one fully grasps it. And the ones who do are the ones who end up happy. Um, you cannot, cannot, cannot expect to make money writing books, especially now, especially that the now when the market is completely glutted. Um, when I started writing, when I published 44 chapters, I was 100% confident that I would not make enough money to pay myself back just for the checking account that I opened to be like a legitimate business. I had to go open like, all right, now I have my like legal business name. I'm going to go open my legal business account. And she, the lady at the bank was like, well, how much money do you expect to make? And I looked at her, like, she had asked me like, when are you going to speak French? And I was like, (laughs) money. She's like, yeah, for your business. How much do you think you're going to make this year? And I looked at her and said, I don't know, like 50 bucks. <laughs> like, and that felt like an overestimate. Like I wanted her to like, feel like I was legitimate. Like 25 was too low. So I was like, maybe 50. And she looked me dead in my eyes and went, well, the account costs a hundred to open. <laughs> so, like, so I had to borrow a hundred dollars for myself. To open my checking account, so I like started my checking account in a deficit and was just confident that this was just for me. And because I was so sure it was just for me, I wrote whatever I wanted. I was not afraid to be embarrassed. Like, if you've read 44 chapters, I tell every gritty, terrible, embarrassing story about myself and everybody I know. And I felt completely safe just being as outrageous as I wanted to be because I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that no one was going to read it and I was never going to make a dollar and I feel like that attitude is truly what unlocked so many doors for me because the universe loves that kind of energy of just surrender and just like when you're clinging to something and you're striving for something it like repels it energetically but when you're just like oh care you know it's like if a butterfly is floating around you if you just stand there real still and hold your hand out it might land but if you're trying to catch it you're gonna fucking scare it away and that energy I have so many authors who message me um and I I get it completely but they're like what do I need to do how do I need to market what do I need to I'm gonna this is my first book and da 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 da
0: like if it's your first book
3: big you just need to have fun. You just need to get on social media and meet some other new authors, meet some readers, like just be part of the community and just be part of the fandom and enjoy yourself and and know in your heart that you're never going to make back the money that you put into that book. Your the money that you spent on editing and your cover, it's it's it may not ever come back to you and that just has to be okay for you to not want to die like over I spent two thousand dollars on this book and it only made twenty dollars in the opening weekend that's probably gonna happen it's probably gonna happen 44 chapters had what was considered a good release um like it was in the top 100 on Amazon and I'm sure I probably just barely broke even like a great release was probably like five thousand dollars and I had probably spent five thousand dollars on that book like that's amazing if you break even so I think People on social media see author, you know, the authors they follow have been in the game for like 10 years. They got in when the getting was good, like Colleen and Abby Glines and all of them, like not to take anything away from their success, but it was a different time. You could self-publish a book with a DIY cover and it could hit New York Times. Now that is, that is not possible. Like you don't hit New York Times as an indie unless you've got just astronomical undeniably huge sales and even then they might not put you on um so Jennifer Armantrout had like number one book on USA Today and Wall Street Journal and didn't hit New York Times Mm -hmm. so it's just a different landscape and you you just have to do it because if you want to be happy and you want to do this long term just keep your day job have fun treat it like you love it and just be a part of the community.
2: So do you think it's not possible at the moment for any new authors to actually make any solid cash from writing?
3: As a new author, I really don't. Unless all the stars align, you are super well connected. Um, you, The level that you have to perform at right now in order to make money is so every every single aspect of your game has to be on point your marketing your cover your editing your um your promo materials like your PR presence every single aspect of it has to be has to be banging and even then you might still have a flop um so to be at that level like you got to walk before you run like my first book was a DIY cover it had been um, edited and re-edited because I kept realizing like, oh, that editor really wasn't an editor. (laughs) (laughs) Like you just don't know. You don't even know what you don't know when you first start. And you need those first couple of books to like get the lay of the land and practice and learn about marketing and learn about ads. Now you can't be successful without running ads either. And that's a whole other, I mean, you could spend a year learning about how to advertise. So it's just so hard now. And it just keeps getting harder that yes, you can get there, but you will not 99.9% of the time. It's not going to be on your first book. And that's okay. Cause you're going to write another book and you're going to learn a little more and you're going to write another book and you're going to learn a little more. Um, and eventually you will get to that level, but, but to have that put that much stress on yourself for your first book, you're going to want to quit because it's just not realistic. Like that's your practice book. And then if you get better and better and better and start really performing well in a couple of years, you can go back and retitle that book and recover that book and re-edit that book and then re-release that book if you really love it. But it's just such a process. It's, you know, that stupid adage of it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's, it's a 10-year marathon <laughs> to get to where you really need to be to have, you know, a, a long-term viable career. So just... Take it easy on yourself and have fun and know that it's going to take time and that it's going to take money and you just go at your own pace. And along the way, you'll meet a lot of people who can help you and who you can cross promote with and just enjoy that process. And it's been the most fun I've had this whole career, like meeting other authors and readers in this whole community. Um, I loved the process. So like you have to just enjoy, you know, we all want to get from A to Z
2: immediately, but
3: it can be a really fun process if you take the pressure off yourself.
2: Nice. Um, oh. Can I ask another thing? So <laughs> I feel like right now TikTok is like the New York Times. I feel like if you're, <laughs> I've like you know the New York Times bestsellers list. Like if you make it on TikTok, yeah. that's the only way that you're gonna make it at the moment. Like you have got like, like that. I, hate bringing this book up but icebreaker by hannah grace is like the only reason her first book got to that level is because of tiktok so i feel like the advertising has to be really smart at the moment yeah yeah
3: yeah that's another thing i've seen is that the authors who have that tiktok savvy a lot of i mean a lot of it is not author driven at all like there are a few authors i can think of who their own videos are the things that are driving um their book sales and really it's because people just like their personality in their videos um but yeah it's it's the book talkers it's amazing it's it's really really cool to see um and it feels more organic than like the new york times which is more of a a curated list but he's like fucking so dying about cool but yeah it does She's kind of feel like <laughs>
2: believe in you. You'll do an amazing job. Just cut half of it out. So No, what You what G said the other day?
0: She said she wanted to swap jobs with me? Yeah. Wait, am I back? You want to edit. Because I'm bad
1: at my Can job. Can you guys hear
2: me?
0: Oh, yeah, yes, you're back.
1: Hi. Ah. <laughs> Yay! That was... Oh my gosh.
2: We missed a little so bit sorry. about no, you're right. the end of the TikTok stuff, but that's okay. Okay. Um.
3: Yeah. Do you need me to repeat anything? If you want to. Yeah, but you know to listen to I mean, your voice. Like, remember. please. You can, please can probably t- cut yeah. it off. <laughs> 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 no, but I think you're absolutely right about TikTok. It does. It feels like um, you, it's it's one of the few things that really seems to be working now. I feel like everything, you know, the algorithms on Instagram, I feel like I don't see any book stuff on Instagram or, or Facebook anymore. It's all... Um, it's people I don't even follow. And that used to be the great thing about those two platforms was that you saw stuff from people you followed. You went to TikTok to see stuff from people you don't follow. You go to Facebook and, and Instagram to see, you know, your book people. And now it's like, it's, it's so funny. I love to ask people like, so what is Facebook sliding into your feed these days? Because it's like a personality test. Like what have they d- d- like? figured out about you because all I see are pictures of Florence and Venice
2: oh my God, <laughs> like, do. and videos mine is like all <laughs> Italy and Morocco but I think it's because I talk about it a lot and yeah. my phone is like catching on to it so all I see are videos yeah. of like food in Rome like that's it
3: I asked a I asked a uh, friend of ours recently I was like okay what what is all over your Facebook feed and he was like snakes mostly <laughs> like, <laughs>
0: okay fair enough
3: and and why do you suppose facebook thinks you want to see videos of snakes and he was like because i i'm terrified of them i want (laughs) to see like like he wants to know all about snakes because he wants to like
1: oh my god he's
3: afraid that he's gonna like find one in the yard or like run over one with the lawnmower it's so fun but yeah snakes he can tell me anything about snakes now because (laughs) i'm like
0: That's so funny. But
3: anyway, because of that, because they keep just interjecting things that they think you're going to watch to keep you on the app longer, they're neglecting to show you the things from people that you actually follow. So it's getting harder and harder and harder as a business to reach your followers. It's like, i mean two years ago i think they said seven percent of your followers will see any given post and that was before they started this nonsense so i'm sure yeah, it's like one
1: i think it's really changed yeah. like since tiktok has come out and ever since instagram has started focusing more on reels like because i almost never use instagram now unless i'm using reels like I, I just don't go through my feed i'm only on like the Reels section but i i don't get reels from anybody that i actually follow
2: like i just get random <laughs> it's ones it's like tiktok on no. it's just another tiktok it's like tiktok yeah.
3: Yeah, it is. It is. And the, yeah. 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 That's what they want. They're like, well, this is working over there. Let's yeah. screw up our entire app and yeah. try to copy that. Yeah. Oh, does it, work. Every... it does <laughs> work. <laughs>
1: Biddy has fallen into the TikTok hole a few times. I spent like...
3: so many hours on that dumb fucking app. I don't know how to use something. <laughs> but do you, but you're not watching reels for hours, are you? No. No, no one is. They need to stop
2: it. They need to go back. <laughs> i actually probably use i probably watch reels for hours and not tiktok because i don't actually know how to use tiktok i've tried to work it out several times and it just stresses <laughs> me out like i have no concept it's weird of like
1: how how quickly your algorithm can change on tiktok as well like you can search one thing and it can change your entire feed like so quickly it's real weird oh
3: my god I hate that. I'm like, I am a multifaceted human TikTok. I can like more than one thing. Just because I liked that Tim, that Justin Timberlake video, does not mean you need to give me all Justin Timberlake videos for the next hour.
0: Like, I, I- love it because I get hyper fixated on things. Really this fucking true. <laughs> yeah. Like so you. so <laughs> hyper fixated. So like, so like when it comes to books, like I go through things. So like a couple months ago, I was going Cowboys. through like my cowboy book phase. So then I was just getting like sexy cowboys all over my TikTok and cowboy book suggestions. And then I moved on to like my like mask. military like mess yep. face. And then I was just getting like people dressed up as like Call of Duty characters and like military. You know, I've got books. some recommendations for you because oh of that. God. Great. I'll take that Oh, yeah. Every time it. I change yeah. like my new hyper fixation, like my TikTok feed follows me and I get That's more fixated. <laughs>
3: So it's for you. They <laughs> it's
0: designed just, it it's, for you. Yeah, for me personally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they had That's you in amazing. mind.
1: <laughs> oh, Nice. Well, we oh. might wrap up and let you go because we—it's probably getting late for you. I mean, where you We are, are it in the is states, a are 10?
3: you? I'm in Atlanta, Oh so I'm on the, the East Coast. Now. Oh yeah. shit! Yeah, already. Well, Land yeah. of well, Thank you so much for joining us.
1: <laughs>
3: thank you. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, the you're
3: smart. So you I that we had fun. We always have fun. Yeah. So it's good. yeah. <laughs> yeah. good times. We just, we always have fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, this is amazing. Thank you guys so much. Yes, I'm going to go put my kids in bed and go back to being a mom. Um, but this was a lot of fun. So thank you. We should do it again oh sometime. God. Yes, we
1: definitely. Should. I think when the next book gets released, we'll definitely be hitting you up.
2: <laughs> yes, yes. I so I can hear my goddamn uh, scream yeah, at me. I, <laughs> I couldn't control myself because I've read it like within the last 24 hours. So it's still like super fresh. So yeah, very fresh, very fresh. I get it. it's very raw. Yeah.
3: <laughs> thank uh, you. Thank you for reading oh, it. Oh, truly. Amazing. I'm, I'm Honored. Congratulations! Right. You see you Everybody next week, team. What are we doing
1: yeah. next week? Yeah. See you guys next. Oh, we are doing "See of sea Ruin. Ruin" by Pam Godwin. Well, that's exciting. <gasps> that's one of my favorite books ever. <laughs> oh, I love Pam really? Godwin. Oh God. I love Pam Godwin. this is another one of my picks, and I love her so much. So, but I haven't oh, read "See of book. Ruin." I've been saving it for the episode.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Not much shocks you, baby, so you it seems, to. that this that does. Is, <laughs> no. You have not read sea of the Ring. dare we? No.
3: I, that I've is. I've been
1: saving it. I've been saving it I... for the podcast.
3: I'm so jealous. I wish I could read that book again for the first I actually just reread it like a month ago because I oh, just nice. love it. And I was in a slump and I was like, I know, I know what'll get me through.
0: Perfect. Perfect. I love so her books. We're in for a good so... episode then. Yeah.
2: Have Thank you read you it me. all? I don't even know who Pam if is. You, I'm really bad with shit like this. Oh my God. Oh, here you we like, go. Okay, are okay, full on, it's, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah.
3: It's dark, darkity, dark, dark. So you got to get right. Get right. But it's amazing. I've got to <laughs> I mean, read like just
2: pure porn for like three books beforehand and then read it. And then like <laughs> yeah, there <you> pure go. <laughs> porn right after. Like with no in between. Yes. It's just got to be like full blown <laughs> novella smart, like Katie Roberts. Your uh-huh. dad will do and then hit yeah.
3: it. <laughs> it's a, it's a porn
1: sandwich. Oh,
2: okay. Yeah. yeah. Yes.
3: With the with a little dark in
2: like the middle. porn,
3: yeah.
1: pain,
2: porn. <laughs> I feel like it's the only way that I can get through some of these books. Like I'm actually yeah. on porn right now because of your book.
0: <laughs> you were the pain. If it works, yeah. it works. I was the you pain. i the pain. Oh, I brought the pain, no.
3: <laughs> the pain right. and your porn
1: sandwich.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
3: All right, everybody.
1: We gotta get that on a t-shirt.
2: We're... We do porn I sandwich.
3: Did. I want to be the pain in your porn yeah. sandwich.
1: <laughs> All right, okay. Bye guys. We need to go because it's been too long, and Biddy's already gonna have a rough job editing this episode. <laughs> Bye right. everyone. Bye
2: everybody. Bye.
0: Bye.